Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Why don't you grab a seat? Well, welcome Elevation Church Hills. We want to welcome you in the name of Jesus. Uh, If you are here this morning for the first time, uh, I want to tell you that this is a great church to be a part of. Not only do you get great community, great coffee, great worship, great anointing, but you've got a playground that will put chipmunks and crocs play center to shame. Uh, Before I get started, I want to just take this time to honor your senior pastors, Pastor Miles and Bonnie, uh, for all of their great work, your exemplary leadership, your heart of service. You know, I I really want you to... uh, Uh, to continue to pray for your leaders because good leadership is rare and you've got great leaders in the forefront uh, continuing to lead this great movement called Elevations Church. I also want to take this time to honour your location pastors, Pastor Sanjeev and Jocelyn. Come on, why don't you give them a round of applause. Thank you for all your behind the scenes work, uh, your investment, your sacrifice, your laying down your life, uh, just your organisation to continue to allow the work of God to move forward. Uh, to my good friends, Pastor Ben and Anna, I want to take this time to thank you as well. Why don't we give them a round of applause? Thank you for the multiplicity of your skills investing into the kingdom of God. And I'm just inspired as well for your heart to see a move of God in this generation. I also want to honor all of the leaders and the volunteers. Come on, why don't you shout for the volunteers serving in the children's ministry, ushering you into the car park. Come on, we can do better than that, serving on the platform. Jesus said, he that serves is greatest in the kingdom of God. And it's so good to get a healthy volunteer culture because uh, serving is a reflection of heaven. Uh, My name is Gus and I'm the pastor at Revelations Church. And I'm here with my amazing wife, Pastor Janet. If you can stand, please, and say hello. We are the co-laborers in the kingdom of God. I love my wife with all my heart, mind, soul, my pancreas, my fingers, my phalanges, metacarpals, metatarsals, sternocleidomastoid. I love my wife with all of that. I've also brought my daughter with me, my eldest daughter, Neora. Please stand. My daughter here, Neora. Uh, We've got four kids. She's our eldest. And the other three are serving roster uh, back at our Blacktown campus. And they were looking for a way out of the roster. uh, And I said... uh, Uh, Tough luck, you'll come with us tonight. Uh, I get the privilege to open up your sermon series, Powerhouse. It's going to be a cracker of a sermon series. I can feel it. Uh, Can I just say that uh, it's been a few months since we were here last for, for the combine. And I can already see the shift in this place. I can already see the, the wows that are, that, are, that are built here and the life of God in this place. And I really want to encourage you uh, to continue to invest into that, to continue to plant your feet and to continue to build the house of God. Uh, it's clear in scripture that the Holy Spirit falls upon both the corporate body of believers called the, known as the church gathering uh, and the persons within the body of believers. We see this in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit uh, fell upon the early church and it filled the room. It came upon 120 believers in the upper room. Uh, But we also see tongues of fire fall upon the persons within that room. Uh, It is incomplete 
if only the corporate gathering structure of the church is anointed. Every person within the body of believers must contend for the full anointing of the Holy Spirit. This morning at the 8 a.m. service, my assignment is simple. It's to lay a foundation so that each one of you can walk with and in the Spirit of God. There's no doubt that the Bible uh, calls believers to walk in the Spirit. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 1 tells us that there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ, who walketh not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. It is vital that you understand that you are a part of God's plan of redemption for this city, for this region, for this nation. You are not just here to make up the numbers. You are a part of God's plan. Come on, why don't you help me preach this? Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a part of God's plan. As a matter of fact, I would have you know that the Holy Spirit desires to smear you or anoint you for that purpose. Now for the local church to rise into her destiny. The local church, and uh, this may cause a little bit of conjecture, must break free from the superstar mentality. What do I mean by the superstar mentality? The belief that God raises only one man, one woman, to change a city, often in the form of an evangelist, a revivalist, an apostle, and the list goes on. My friends, there is no doubt that God raises generals in the faith, men and women of God, who can impact the generation. However, if we truly want to make a significant impact for the gospel, the whole entire body of believers, from least to the greatest, must be anointed. Therefore, the key to a powerhouse church is a powerhouse people within the church. The key to a church on fire is you get on fire. Come on, touch the person next to you and say, you get on fire. I would have you know that God wants you on fire more than you want yourself on fire. You have to forgive me for quoting Mahatma Gandhi. But he said, be the change you want to see. This is Mahatma Gassi. <clears throat> be the fire you want to see. You want to see power in the house? You be the powerhouse. Come on, touch two or three people and say, I can see the power of God on the inside of you. Okay, I'm going to teach for the next couple of minutes and lay a foundation so that we have a proper understanding. And tonight, I want you to bring your friends tonight. We're going to contend for the fire of God. Bring your friends, bring your goldfish, bring your enemies, bring all of them tonight. We're going to have a move of God tonight. PowerPoint presentation is going to appear before you. Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1 to 9. It's a lengthy scripture, but I think it's important that I read the text. And it reads, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. 
He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. Verse three. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits and he brought me through the waters and the water came up to my ankles. Everyone say ankle deep. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters and the water came up to my knees. Again, uh, everyone say knee deep. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water and it came up to my waist. Everybody say waist deep. Again, he measured me, again, he measured, sorry, 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim. A river that could not be crossed. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned there along the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river goes will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. This portion of scripture is not a picture of the temple's poor plumbing problems. It is a prophetic picture of New Testament reality. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, whereas the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. The book of 1 Corinthians 6, it tells us that the body of believers are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me, let him drink, and out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And what essentially the New Testament is pointing to is the experience by which that out of human life, your life, after we are washed by the blood of Jesus, set correctly by his righteousness, can have a river of life flow through us. It's a powerful portion of scripture that this river has the capacity to heal and restore everything that it touches. I would also have you know that that uh, there's a natural and spiritual church. And as much as we are enjoying all the natural elements of the local church, there is a spiritual river flowing from the appointed place to the marketplace. This river doesn't just flow corporately, but I really believe this river wants to flow in you as a person. In this text, we see four dimensions that I wanna bring to you. The purpose of me bringing these four dimensions is for you as the person to contend for more of the Holy Spirit in your life. I really believe that everyone here wants the best that God has to offer them as it relates to his will and purpose. Otherwise, you wouldn't have got out of bed this morning. Otherwise, you wouldn't have gone through that rain to enter the building so that you can receive the latter rain. I really believe within your heart, you're contending for a heavenly vision. And I want to give you these four dimensions. And these dimensions are important because uh, 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 without experiencing each dimension, we're not going to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And the first one I want to show you is the ankle deep. And this is a symbol of revelation. Walking with and in the Spirit requires 
the right foundation. You know, it's impossible to walk with the Holy Spirit if you're walking with the wrong spirit. Many believers don't have an accurate foundation on the persons of the Holy Spirit and therefore struggle to walk with and in the Holy Spirit. The first dimension you must have in your life if you want to walk in the fullness of the anointing is you must have an accurate revelation of who the Holy Spirit is. You will notice that I used the word revelation. I did not use the word information. It's possible to know about the Holy Spirit and not know the Holy Spirit. An accurate revelation of the Holy Spirit doesn't just bring about inspiration, but it brings about transformation. Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And the disciples started to tell Jesus the opinions of general consensus. Then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Peter stands up in a moment of revelation and says, you are the Christ. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for this was not given to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. A revelation is a truth that you understand because God has revealed it to you. Revelation is available, but not automatic. You have to have a seeking heart. The Bible says it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the honor of the king to search it out. I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit reveals himself to you accurately, nobody can take that away from you. You see, I would have you know that Peter betrayed Jesus worse than Judas. Because Judas didn't have a revelation of the Christ. But Peter did. And he still denied him. But let me tell you why Peter didn't go to the grave. Because it was too late. He already had a revelation. Revelation is powerful. When God opens up your eyes to who the Holy Spirit is, it is the beginning of you walking with and in the Holy Spirit. If you want to be a powerhouse for God, it starts with an accurate revelation of who the Holy Spirit is. The accurate revelation of the Holy Spirit includes things such as understanding the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Some people believe the Holy Spirit is a theological construct or a theological idea or, or an abstract idea that is distant. I'm here to tell you that the scripture reveals that the Holy Spirit is a person. I would have you know that the Holy Spirit was prayed by Jesus, sent from the Father, and is here as a missionary. The Holy Spirit is not here on holiday. He's not here on vacation. He's here to do the will of God. The Holy Spirit is not here to make your dreams come true. He's here to make the dream of God come true. Come on. If you believe it, shout yeah. As a Pentecostal church, one of our distinct doctrines is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a different experience from the born-again experience. It's possible to be saved, but to not be Spirit-filled. When you are Spirit-filled, you are filled with the nature of God. And I believe that God is returning us back to the foundation of what it is to be Spirit-filled. I'm not talking about spooky-filled. I'm talking about filled with the Spirit of God. The word baptism comes from the word baptizo. If you look at Strong, Stayers, Brown, Drivers, Briggs, gives you many variations on the word. But one of my best definitions of this word baptizo is the analogy of pickling. Trust me to like an example to do with food. And it's the idea that when you take a vegetable 
and you soak it in the vinegar solution and you leave it there long enough, the vinegar solution changes the character of the, the, the vegetable into a pickle. That is the power of you staying in the Spirit that over a period of time, the Spirit of God starts to change your character and you're no longer a dud, you're now a spud. Come on, if you're in the house now and say, stay on fire for God. There's nothing to be ashamed of being Spirit-filled. Spooky people are spooky because they're just spooky. Spirit-filled people are Spirit-filled, filled with the power of God. Another thing that is a distinctive of our doctrine is the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to say something that may perhaps be controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway in grace. One of the doctrines that is robbing people of their inheritance in the Holy Spirit is the doctrine of sensationism, which is the belief that the power of the Spirit died with the early apostles or the formation of the early canon. And the interesting thing about that is you can't find one direct verse that says that. And the sensationists have to squeeze blood out of a rock just to infer that idea. But I'm telling you right now that if you read the book of Acts, the book doesn't close. And the reason why the book doesn't close is we're still in the book of Acts right now. They call it the Acts of the Apostles. It's not the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. If you're in this place right now, you are the key to the powerhouse. Come on, somebody say yeah. yeah. Moses, when he approached the burning bush, God spoke to him and said, take off your sandals. For this place you stand on is holy ground. And Moses had to remove his sandals and he had to stand barefoot in the presence of God. And feet is a symbol of revelation because Moses had to take off every preconceived idea, every preconceived notion of who he thought God was, being stuck in that wilderness, thinking that God had forgotten him. 40 years, tending sheep, singing Baba Black Sheep, stuck in this wilderness. And God says, if you want to encounter this fresh revelation, you've got to be willing to depart from every ideology that limits you from experiencing the Spirit of God. Someone here this morning, if you want to walk in the fullness it may mean you may need to take off your sandal and I'm not talking about your actual sandals but if you came to church with sandals then we're going to pray for you afterwards what is stopping you from entering in to the revelation of the Holy Spirit Jesus was at the house of Mary and Martha Martha was distracted she looks over and sees Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus she then forces Jesus to try to reprimand Mary are you insane Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is best. To sit at the feet of Christ means you know where your feet is. And it is the place of download of revelation by which a mystery no longer becomes a mystery because God uncovers your eyes. Come on, somebody say, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Some of you have been asking, God, is there more to this journey? Oh, my friend, if I can only tell you, there's not just more, but there's power, there's grace, and you, all you gotta do is get into the river. How many of you have ever gone to swim with people and you jump in the water and they're standing outside dipping their toes saying, is it cold? <laughs> and you're like, mm, it's all right. What does it feel like? Mm, just get in. Oh, it feels cold. 30 minutes later, they're doing the same thing. How many of you know sometimes word fails you? All you gotta do is jump in. Come on, touch six people around you and say, jump in the river, jump in the river. At the age of 16, at the age of 16, the gospel came to me and, I, and it came to me in a book called Divine Revelation of Hell. 
How many of you read this book? I read the book in one night. Me and my brother, worldly people, read the book in one night and the book scared the bejesus out of us. At the end of the book is a born again prayer. Me and my brother prayed that prayer and I believe we had a genuine born again experience. We were not part of a spirit-filled church. We were not part of a local ecclesia. And here is where it went pear shape. The only thing we knew was our local Catholic parish. So I went there to try to do the good Christian thing. I was raised Roman Catholic, but I was agnostic at best because I believe the words of Karl Marx that religion is the opium of the people. And the reason being was because my family was only happy at mass on a Sunday and we lived like the devil from Monday to Saturday. And I said to myself, well, religion must be just this numbing down effect. It can't be real until the gospel came to my heart. Three months into this born again experience, me and my brother were back in the world. Fast forward one year later, the gospel came to me again, the age of 17. And this time it came to me through a spirit-filled man. On the beach of, in a beach called Mission Bay in, in, in Auckland, I, I rededicated my life. But this time, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's been 25 years I've been contending for the heavenly vision. What was different? My first experience, I had a divine revelation of hell. My second experience, I had a divine revelation of the Holy Spirit. Some of you might have had a divine revelation of hell or heaven. But until you have a divine revelation of the Holy Spirit, you cannot walk in that river. Knee deep. This dimension is just as important. Many believers don't reach this because we don't like it. And the question I want to ask you this morning is how much of our life is yielded, surrendered to the Holy Spirit? You know, John Bevere says, don't ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Rather ask, how much more of yourself can you give the Holy Spirit? Because when God gives us the Holy Spirit, He doesn't give us a junior Holy Spirit. He doesn't give us an apprentice Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit without measure, which means it's up to how much we give of ourselves, how much we give of our mind, how much we give of our heart, how much we give of our life. That is the extent by which we experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And this dimension means to yield. You know, this word yield, we don't like because we think to ourselves, well, I have to give something up. It's a wrong dichotomy. It's not about what you give up. It's about what you get to gain. Now, the power of yielding is in this word that is not often used, but it's a very powerful word. And it's the word sanctify. Everyone say sanctify. Salvation is the gift of Jesus through the finished work of Jesus. Sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, I want to I tell you that the Holy Spirit is sanctifying you and sanctification is vital for purity. Purity is important because you cannot see God without purity. I would, I would say it this way. Purity is a weapon against Satan. But you and I could not purify our life if our life depended upon it, right? It is a work of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why we don't experience the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is we don't yield. And no one can coerce you to yield. No one can kick your knee. No one can bend your knee. Um, you're better off listening to love songs to bow your knee to your loved one. But you need to volunteer to yield yourself and understand the power. You see, before the Holy Spirit can work through you, the Holy Spirit needs to work in you. The word sanctify is the word consecrate. And the word consecrate means to, to be set apart, to be holy. 
I really believe if we allow the Holy Spirit to set us apart inwardly, we would diminish <laughs> falling apart. When God sets apart, He sets apart for His purpose. When God sanctifies, the light of Christ grows in us. The third dimension here that is important is waist deep. And this is your willingness to step out and move with God. You know, often people quote the scripture, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. But the context of that scripture is you will receive power to be a witness. And many people want the power, but they don't want to be a witness. I'm here to tell you that if you are willing to step out, you will see the power of God in your life. And that perhaps the reason why you're not seeing it is you're not willing to partner with the Holy Spirit. It's not just hearing the Word of God, but it's doing the Word of God. The willingness to move with the Spirit of God. Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, uh, the Passover meal. Uh, when God instructed them to eat the meal, He says, thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, sandals on your feet and staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. In other words, they were to eat this meal with the view of leaving. The waste is important because it means you're ready to move with God. You see, once you have a revelation of the Holy Spirit, once you have a life that is yielded to the Holy Spirit, you must live a life where you are willing to partner with the Holy Spirit and you are willing to move. Can I tell you right now, there are people in your world waiting for you to step out and share your faith, waiting for you to step out and minister, waiting for you to step out and start that business, waiting for you to step up and, and attend that, that college that the Spirit of God has been putting in your heart. And it's more than just the natural blessings. There is a ministry upon your life. The book Ministers of Fire, the whole premise behind the book is that everyone is called to be a minister. My ministry may look different from your ministry. Your ministry may look different from mine, but you have a ministry. If you're a parent and you're in the season where you're raising your children, your children is your ministry. So minister with fire, minister with excellence. And I want to encourage your parents, don't sit at home just waiting. God, I just once they get older, then you're going to call me to the nations. No, your children are the nations. So pray, prophesy, speak in tongues. Are you here with me right now? Everyone is called to be a minister. I'm going to pray uh, as I close. Not yet, but when I close. And I'm going to step everyone into the presence of God in a, in, a, in, a, in a belief that we can all be mobilized into the purposes of God. I just want you to look around the room. Look at how many people is here in Elevation Hills. Imagine if every single person here stepped into the fullness of the anointing. We would have a revival in our city. The mechanisms are here. And I'm here to tell you, don't wait for a Spanish revivalist or an Argentinian evangelist or an African apostle. And, you know, the fivefold ministry is great. You, you go. You be the revivalist. You be the evangelist. You be the man. You be the woman of God. Now, the fourth dimension is powerful. And this is when you swim. And what this means is when you flow in the anointing. I want to show you five things that happen when you flow in the anointing. Number one, it is an activation of your spiritual senses. 
I don't know how to explain it, but when you're in that state of flow, your eyes can see God. Your ears can hear what God is saying. You can even discern the moving of God. You can even, uh, uh, you're sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You even taste and see that the Lord is good. Often a sign that your heart has become uh, pulled away from the Holy Spirit is you lose your taste. You lose your taste for the goodness of God. You lose your taste for the things of God. I'm here to tell you that when you are flowing in the anointing, your spiritual senses are open. And I want to tell you right now, we need a generation who are spiritually alive in their senses. I just want to tell you right now, we have too many blind and deaf Christians who can't discern the work of the enemy around them. You know, can I just tell you, to, to live a life in the Spirit is so important because you've got to show up to work. You've got to go to your sports clubs and who knows what spirits are there? Who knows what's happening there? And if you're not marinating in the Spirit of God, how are you ever going to overcome the work of the enemy? Come on, are you with me right now? When your discernment is clear, you will know when a spiritual attack is coming to your house. Now, I'm not one to glorify Satan, but I'm here to tell you that the enemy doesn't like you. When he looks at you, it reminds him of God. So he's going to do all that he can to disrupt you. As a matter of fact, how many of you know warfare happens at that hour period when you're coming to church? It's like everything works and then all of a sudden nothing works. And it's an interesting story. I know that God's doing something. I was telling Pastor Ben, um, I was preparing, uh, making some adjustments on the sermon as, as I'm coming into this weekend. And at 7 p.m. on Friday night, I'm confessing your sermon series, Powerhouse, Powerhouse. And then my house has a power cut. <laughs> I lose all electricity. Doesn't come on until 24 hours. So I'm praying in the dark. Next day, I had to marry a couple in our church. Yesterday morning, had to come back. Then, then locate an electrician who came over late at night. We restored the, 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 the fault and, and the power came back in. But, but you know what was interesting was that it was dark without electricity. It gets dark without the Holy Spirit's anointing in your life, in your home, in your house. Come on, we need the Holy Spirit in the house. Just as much as the lights and, and, and all of these things are powered by electricity and you can't see it. And if you want to see it, just go and put your hand in the circuit. It will, it will make you feel it. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to power everything in our life. Power our marriages. Come on. Power our parenting. Power our children. Because how many of you know, as children get older, they get a little bit difficult. And you need to be anointed to deal with those things. Come on. Touch three people around you and say, we got to be anointed. we got to be anointed. I want to also tell you right now that there's no such thing as middle ground. You're either going forward in the things of God or you're detracting backwards. And I'm here to tell you that the God... Of of heaven wants you to move forward. Number two, manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. I really believe when you're flowing in the anointing, the Spirit of God manifests the fruit of the Spirit. Number three, activation of the flow of the gifts of the spirits. Number four, activation of your holy calling. I really believe that when the Holy Spirit falls upon you, you're a person of purpose, divine purpose, holy calling. And number five is my favorite. When you get filled with the Spirit of God, there's a spiritual authority over the power of darkness. And I'm gonna finish on this and if I can get the team up. And, 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 and this is the point I wanna drive home is that 
uh, uh, when you understand who you are in God and you understand the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you understand the, your power over darkness. May, some of you uh, may be harassed throughout the week, harassed in your sleep, harassed in your workplace. The Bible tells us the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers, rulers and principalities. The Bible tells us that our weapons are not carnal, but are mighty through God. And this morning, I want to pray right now. And if you're here this morning, I'll pray for three uh, types of people. The first kind of person is if you're here right now and you don't know Jesus and you would like to give your life to Jesus, I would like to pray for you. If that is you this morning, I want you to lift up your right hand. Maybe you've walked with Christ before and you're far away from God and you want to experience this life in the Spirit of God. It starts with Christ. If that is you right now, I want to pray for you if you can lift up your right hand. The second people that I'm going to pray for are those that just want to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. For you, I'm going to ask you to come up to the altar. I am going to deploy the prayer team, but I'm going to do the one-step prayer. Uh, and the one-step prayer, I'll explain it to you, is essentially you stepping in to the Holy Spirit. So can we get everyone standing now and just the band to play a song?